Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. There are seemingly endless guides to exploring the national parks. Moon, National Geographic, Lonely Planet, and various other corporate publishers. Indeed, it's rare these days that you find a writer who takes on the role of both guidebook author and publisher. This is Kurt Rabincheck, your host at the National Parks Traveler. Most of these guidebooks take the same approach, a nice overview of the park in question, followed by a breakdown of places to stay, where to eat, things to do, nearby attractions. Mike Oswald is swimming against the current with his park guidebooks. First, he came out with Your Guide to the National Parks, a thick, hefty volume that has won awards from the Independent Book Publishers Association. Along with the usual park basics, he fills his chapters with history, maps that point out some of his favorite hikes and don't-miss attractions, some details on plants and animals, a suggested vacation planner, and, of course, full-color photographs of some iconic settings. Today, we're sitting down with Mike to discuss not only his decision to go independent against those giants in the guidebook publishing world, but also his latest park-related projects. We'll be back in a minute with Mike. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Patero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com. P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. The Yosemite Conservancy helps visitors connect with Yosemite through adventures, volunteering, and the arts. It's the only nonprofit dedicated to supporting Yosemite National Park and funds grants to improve trails, restore habitat, protect wildlife, and inspire the next generation of nature lovers. Learn more at yosemite.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. Welcome to Traveler, Michael. Glad you could join us today. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Pleasure to you be know, here. You know, we've we've corresponded for years, and you know, I've read your books, and I've studied your books, and I've enjoyed your books for years, and it's, it's great to finally catch up and and see each other face to face for this this podcast that nobody can see but they can listen to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've been doing the same. I've read a bunch of articles and uh, been very grateful for you helping me out. And I probably should be donating a little more because <laughs> you, you do give me a little bump on the book sales and uh, hope we do that in the future. Well, I, I'd be curious to see, you know, if there actually is a is a bump and how you can measure that. But um, I, I know some people are interested in that and um, return on investment is always a biggie, but I can never accurately tell people that, oh, yeah, you know, this is how many people, well, I can tell people how many people saw their articles or their advertisements, but um, return of investment is always a tricky thing because people can look at advertisements, they can click on advertisements, but if they don't make a purchase at the other end, it doesn't really matter. 
hey, it's a good time. And this wasn't planned, but uh, I mentioned doing that National Park Traveler 25% off on the website. So people go to stoneroadpress.com, use NPT25, buy some books. I'm giving the profits to the traveler. So support the traveler, get some good books, check it out, and uh, keep, <laughs> keep, keep everything running. Keep, keep all that park right. information coming your way. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you threw that out there, but we, we should me- probably mention the books first. You know, as I mentioned, you know, we, we go back a few years and um, I think we um, ran across each other with your first publication, Your Guide to the National Parks. And um, at the time, um, I forget how many parks there were at the time, but um, you went out there as an independent, which is unheard of in these days. I mean, I've been in journalism for going on 50 years, I hate to say. Um, it scares me when I mention that number. But you've been out there as an independent publishing these incredible guides, four-color guides that are thick and, you know, five-pound guide to the national parks. Tell, tell us how you got into this. Uh, well, honestly, I didn't know any better. That is the, the God's <laughs> honest truth is that um, by, by degree, I'm an engineer and problem solver at heart. I'm just like, well, this can't be like too difficult or to, to figure out everything that, that's going on here. And uh, yeah, just one sort of one thing led to another. And it started with uh, served my way out east, worked my way out west, visited the parks in a fairly systematic way, and sat down on a computer for almost two years and uh, came out with a big book. And the goal was, uh, I, I guess I remember the whole impetus for, for how this started. It was using the National Geographic book, um, the comprehensive guidebook to the parks. And it's mainly for, it's good, but it's for the roadbound tourist. And then I flipped it over and I saw on the back of it, they're kind of boasting our number one selling guidebook. And I, I'm like, well, maybe I'd have something because I was sitting there trying to figure out what to do with my life, kind of uh, at a crossroads, you could say. And um, I was using James Kaiser's book for Acadia at the time. So I was in Acadia and I'm like, this guy's got a good book. If you apply it to, to all the parks, you could really have something, give people a little better information for the parks. And that was essentially the goal. Went to the parks, made a book, then printed it, distributed it. And uh, here we are. It seems like another lifetime later. But I'm curious. I mean, um, what did you see in those books that was missing that gave you an idea to, to launch your own books? I mean, obviously, it's a crowded market out there. You can go into bookstores back when bookstores were, were all over the, the country and you could go to the travel section and, you know, so many travel guides on specific national parks or on the entire national park system. What did you see that you wanted to differentiate to make your books better? Um, well, the, it's kind of like the adventure side of things. So the saying about the books, the Nat Geo guide being more for the roadbound tourist. So you got to know, like today, everybody's talking about crowds, right? And, and to escape the crowds, you don't have to do a whole lot. You just have to hike maybe two miles, three miles, sure. and you're off there in, in beautiful wilderness. And, uh, most books don't really have that. Like, so I've got hiking tables, camping tables, lodging tables, just essentially, it's more information. The National Park Service provides a lot of information from their visitor centers, from their website. And I compiled everything and with what I did from park to park, put it together in a nice, clear, easy to understand, like intuitive um, layout. And uh, so it's yeah, essentially just more information. Like uh, my first National Park trip was to the Grand Canyon. And I feel like I was your typical visitor where you just go to the rim, look in, hike down South Kaibab for a little bit hike back up, like, hmm. and then we, <laughs> friends and I went back on our way. And then the next time when I'm coming around on my own, 
taking my time and, and doing way more things and like, man, these places are incredible. And there was kind of like a, I don't, I don't know if I want to say spite, but it was like, why was everyone when I was in college saying, go to Europe, go to Europe, go to Europe. And like the Yosemite glacier never once crossed my ears and like all of them, Utah, and you, you know, you spent time and uh, like working for the AP in Wyoming and, and you've been to a lot of parks and it's like, why doesn't anyone talk about these places? Yeah. And uh, so then when I was using that Nat Geo book and, and feeling like it had its shortcomings in just uh, providing information on our country. Mm-hmm. And now, now I actually feel like it, it feels more relevant than ever. Cause I see like we, we need like these fundamental sources of pride and our land is something to really be proud of. And uh, we need to get more, because I don't know if I want to say more people, but more people to experience it in a more intimate way and, and more of the National Park Service units. Like it's it, it generally if they have good experiences, it's it's nothing but good for the country in terms of like what humans will do here, like a net, <laughs> net positive civil gain. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, um, before we got onto the recording, we were talking about parks and park issues and you know, it was, um, I believe, in February of 22 when the Park Service released um, their visitation numbers for calendar year 2021. And it was roughly 300 million people visited the national park system and 50%, roughly 150 million of those 300 million people went to just 25 parks, the name brand parks. There are I don't know, 424, maybe 425 units of the park system out there. Why did you focus just on the quote unquote national parks? It's really just to bucketize things. That's what everybody's. So, so that, that is what people are thinking about. As meant, the parks are kind of a meme and it is uh, to make it monetarily, like to make the, the whole idea of starting a business and making it possible for me to do this is to, you know, cover the places that people are going to. And uh, yeah, we talked about my editor and we talked about doing the national forest, doing things where people know less about. And and now in hindsight, I probably wouldn't do that. But uh, it is it is like, uh, yeah, you cover where the people are going. Try to just, uh, yeah, I don't even know how, <laughs> how, how to answer that question, really. Well, I think I, th- I think you nailed it. I mean, um, it's all about making money. And I guess I'm a little bit too idealistic for that because I, I view the entire national park system and each unit, I believe, has its own following. People who are, you know, really love that place, whether it's whether it's a Yellowstone and everybody loves Yellowstone or whether it's um, a tall grass prairie or, or um, an agate fossil bed. So, you know, they each have their own following of people. And, and I feel that as a, as a journalist, it's it's my role to recognize that and and try to give that place you know provide as much information about that place as possible, which is a um, a ridiculous goal, especially with you know one full time person at the Traveler. Yeah, impossible goal, right? Like uh, unless you had unlimited funding and and time to and, and wanted to dedicate your your life nonstop to that. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on cloning myself. <laughs> you can do it if they did it with Dolly. They can do it with you. There you go. There you but, go. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we're talking about like issues with the park with uh, chasing chasing money, like right, like that's kind of the fundamental issue is the the visitation is all about money. Guys like me and and the the guidebook people 
kind of funneling people to the same places. And right. where I was just before talking about increasing the positive experiences of park goers, where you do, you want to spread them. Nobody wants to spend four hours in line at the gates of Yosemite in the car. And uh, like Arches, Arches is uh, the same thing, where it's a relatively small park. Sure. And then you can, you can go to other places outside the park, like Goblin, Goblin Valley, and people are making fun of, like, where are all the people? <laughs> and it's like, yep, they're in line at Arches. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the um, the solution is. I mean, I've I've tinkered with the idea of trying to produce a, a book either in paper or um, digitally through the Traveler about some of these what I call overlooked gems and, and tell the backstories of why these places are, are national parks units in the national park system. You know, that's another thing that 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 kind of gets to me is. Whenever a unit that's not called a national park, like New River Gorge National River, becomes New River Gorge National Park and Preserve, all of a sudden we've got a new national park added to the system. And I have to scratch my head because it's always been part of the system and it's largely always followed you know, the same guidelines as a Yellowstone in terms of management. So anyway, I digress. Yeah, just semantics and then the, the perception, right? It, it is just marketing. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the Chamber of Commerce thing. You know, we want to change our name so we can bring in more dollars. I mean, nothing is going to change to the park. In fact, it's probably detrimental to the park because you're going to have the hordes of people who, who want to count coup in the national park system. You know, oh, we've got to go to this new national park. Um, so I've got your second edition, the Complete Guide to All 59 National Parks. Are, are you working on a third edition with 63 or maybe 64 national parks? Third edition is out there. It was out there uh, uh -oh. last last may came out and uh so yeah so we're up to you 63 now you didn't send it to me <laughs> i think I, I think i did or i i didn't maybe uh i don't know it's not on my bookshelf anyway <laughs> you you traveled to each and every one of the national parks so no i, I haven't there are a couple uh a couple in alaska that are flying only and american yeah. samoa and uh you know it, it does make me a little bit of a hack but i'm okay with that and just thinking about like where is my bunny better served it's like going to the parks that everybody goes to because I, I do feel like I'm providing a pretty good service where you have parks that are busier, the Yosemites, the glaciers, the Yellowstones, the arches, Rocky mountain. You do need to know a little more, right? Like you don't want to go to Rocky mountain and just immediately go to bear Lake area and then see that you want to go somewhere else. And, uh, or at least like busy areas morning and evening and then other areas in the afternoon. Right. When everybody's out and about. So right. that is a pretty good but uh yeah so the the flying only ones in alaska are just uh i want to do it right the first time and i actually tried to partner up with a bush pilot and and they're just like no if you're coming here you're gonna have to work because like everybody's expected to work if you're gonna be doing any sort of like quid pro quo i was trying to do the old pitch of photography for uh going around to the parks and, and like really seeing those places because yeah. they're they're massive they're almost all of them are the biggest like in the list of the top biggest parks and um, um of all of national parks but uh so so i ended up skipping those and then american small is just extremely remote relatively difficult and uh i just haven't felt like it's providing that much more to readers to go there and yeah. I, I selfishly like once i was actually making a little bit of money i selfishly went and did my own personal travel because after a while you kind of do need that where it can't be all national parks all the time which Probably in hindsight was a mistake, but it's like, man, it's nice to not do something that is like uh, everybody talking parks the whole time. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know exactly um, what you're talking about, Mike. Um, years ago, last century, in a previous um, role, I um, wrote the, um, the best-selling um, Dummies Guide to the National Park System. National parks, and um, it's really hard work to to go out and visit each and every national park, and and come away with um, both the, the salient aspects, but as well as the overlooked aspects. What I what I love about what you're doing uh, is you're doing it yourself. You know, you you launch this on yourself, and you just had this this bug that you wanted to do this, and you, you know you put together this incredible um, four color huge guide to the national parks and it's not printed in china it's it's not edited in a cookie cutter fashion it's it's what you thought was important as a park goer and i i think that resonates with whoever picks it up and takes a look at it yeah that's definitely that engineer in me every, every step of the way it's just like why can't i do this why can't i do this and now i've actually even become more insular with the printing i brought my printing to wisconsin where we've got the paper valley uh, or away and then it I found great value to be able to be there with them. And it just makes more sense to have them relatively close. So the third largest printer is an hour and a half away. And uh, and they've been fantastic. They've been absolutely amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's it's nice being able to touch the papers that they're using and uh, talk to the people. And and uh, yeah, like you said, I think it does mean something to people. Like immediately when I did it, I'm like, I cannot take a book on the national parks in the United States and print it in China. Even I did out of curiosity, get a price to see what the difference is. And it's not, it's not negligible, sure. but uh, at the same time, and my, my web designer, when he saw that, he's like, you know what, you should put a huge with United States flag on the book, on the cover. And that should be like your number one marketing point. I'm like, ah, I'm like the parks are the number one marketing point and they, they do a good job of selling themselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking today with Mike Oswald, a, um, uh, one person, um, former engineer turned writer um, of National Park guidebook information. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. National Parks Traveler has launched the National Parks RVing Guide, the definitive guide for RVers seeking information on campgrounds in the National Park System. The guide is now available free through the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. If you're a traveler who wants to explore the national park system, you'll want this app. The guide is packed with RVing specific details for campgrounds in more than 70 national parks across the country. Search by park, state, or region of the country, and you'll find information about campgrounds that can handle big rigs, those with showers and dump stations, ADA accessible sites, and more. You'll find stories about RVing in the parks, tips for new RVers, as well as feeds of the traveler's content. Our latest stories and recent podcasts are just a tap away. Download the National Parks RVing Guide and start planning your next trip today. Full of stunning photography and thought-provoking reads, Smokey's Life is a biannual magazine produced by Great Smoky Mountains Association. Members receive it free of charge each spring and fall, and it is available for purchase in retail stores throughout Great Smoky Mountains National Park and online at smokiesinformation.org. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It is also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people, inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference too at friendsofacadia.org. 
The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. See their successes at gtnpf.org. Okay, we're back with Mike Oswald, um, a prolific writer of National Park Information. Um, I'm curious, Mike, I mean, obviously you visit a, a lot of national parks. Um, let, let's, let's kick the tires a little bit. What are the, some of the flaws you saw as you traveled the national park system? Man, people aren't going to like this, but I think actually more development in the parks, which, in, and you might not like this, but it's uh you want more so development parks, or you say there's too much more no have more more trails even more roads and uh so the what is the national park service 85 million acres something like that That's almost right. almost 100 million acres and most of it is in alaska yeah but when you go to when you go to a park and and i think it's 10,000 miles of trails in the 63 national parks and uh so when i'm looking at them and seeing the crowds and the limiting factor is always parking, right? Like crowdedness is not proportional to anything other than, except for in the parks where there's shuttles. But I, th I think we could absolutely have more parking spaces, maybe even more campgrounds, even though like they're only full in summer and in the Southwest spring and fall. But I, I, I really think like, it's all to have more positive experience in the parks. And if you had more trails, more, more roads, more parking, I think it'd be a, a overall positive thing. And I, I know we were just talking before this about you conserving, conserving everything. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to end John, this right here. <laughs> the sort of John Muir mentality of uh, conserving everything. And I, I, I look back at that when you look at the like John Muir Gifford Pinchot argument between conservation through use and conservation, just period. I'm definitely a conservation through use type person where I'm like, you harvest those trees, plant new ones, and uh, you can eliminate some of the fire situations. Ooh. But yeah, I, maybe I'm bringing controversy to the National Parks Traveler trying to <laughs> increase that traffic and yeah. decrease my book sales. Yeah. <laughs> controversy sells. <laughs> um, boy, uh, yeah, I'm. there are some parks that that perhaps could use more development like um voyagers national park um they have one lodge in inside the park and I, I understand they're having trouble finding concessionaire for that there's no lodging in yellowstone in um, rocky mountain national park but there, there's so much growth around the parks why would you want to bring that type of hard infrastructure into a national park setting a, a place like rocky mountain or, or canyonlands I, just for more access, give people more options to, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that would really irritate a lot of people that love the backcountry and uh, they love hiking 10, 20 miles and escaping all of that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like my number one solution for the crowd thing is having year-round school, <laughs> but that's like a different, <laughs> a totally different, different argument. And that would take a huge act of political willpower. <laughs> and because because I sit there and look and like it's always summer, right? Like all the complaints, all the articles, when you look at the media, it's always in summer, and then we're loving the parks yeah. to death. Yeah. And it's like, well, are we really? 
like there's so much public land, like one out of every five acres is, is federal land, right? Like between BLM, U.S. Forest Service and, and National Park Service. So it's not a shortage of land. It's just uh, the flush of families in summer. Well, and it's it's marketing. It's marketing. I mean, the, oddly enough, the National Park Service cannot advertise, even though it has a tourism department. It's always kind of been a head scratcher for me on that. And there there are, you know, you've got 63 national parks, and then you've got another 361 units in the national park system that people aren't fully aware of and, and what exists there. And And yes, there are parks devoted to natural resources, forests and rivers and lakes and whatnot, and Red Rock. And then there are the cultural parks and, you know, incredible history in the park system and how to get people to spread out. And in a lot of those parks, you can go year round. Yeah. More information. That's where, where you're talking about doing all the national parks on your own, like all the national park service units Yeah, and, uh, and getting that out there. But you all at the same time, like you don't want to wall drugify, like, uh, I don't know, like everybody picks on gateway arch, right? Like you don't want to do a, multi-million dollar ad marketing campaign for gateway arch and everybody's like what is this why is this a national yeah. park and, and get every, get everybody up in their up in arms like this isn't anything like the rockies no it's definitely an interesting thing you know as i mentioned you you have a, a number of books out there and one of uh, your recent projects which i really love um because i like i like to drive around and visit places and you're always looking for a map and um Yes, you can get a, a map of uh, each park as you drive into it, and then you're going to have, you know, 63 brochures flying around your vehicle. And you came out with um, the National Park Maps and Atlas of the United States National Parks. And that was a great idea. What do you think about it? How did you come up with this idea? I mean, it's basically you, you've captured those uh, park brochure maps and put them all in one place. Yeah, this is just uh, like you. It's something that I always wanted to exist where I, I can't count how many times where I was unfolding my national parks map. I'm like, man, it'd be pretty nice to have these all in one place and big enough so that you don't have to pull out a magnifying glass and that you don't have to like remove anything. And uh, all the maps are available. And I was talking to my distributor and, I, and they're just like, why don't you make it? And I'm like, I could. <laughs> uh, there's so many like just little naive things that I'm oblivious to where I'm, I'm thinking like a little bigger than that. And this is a project that didn't take a whole heck of a lot of work, but I wanted to put more into it that it's more than just maps. So giving people driving charts and, and uh, some favorite lists and uh, things so that they can get deeper into the parks. But, but essentially like the map, like you can't convey information better for traveling than a map and uh, just does, does a better job than words. And uh, yeah. So, so it's finally like, wait, 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 wait. It does not do a better job than words. Sorry. Well, more uh, <laughs> it, it conveys more. It has more information than than words can do. It's more efficiently, uh, <laughs> don't you think? Never, never tell a writer that there's more important things than words. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a great it's a great publication. Um, it sits in the back pouch of my car right now. Um, you know, but it's got not only does it have the map, but like you said, it it's got. It's got information, you know, why visit Guadalupe Mountains National Park? Well, because you want to hike to the highest point in Texas or you want to pass through Devil's Hall. Um, what you need to know to visit this park or that park. I mean, it's got some practical information beyond just being a collection of maps. Yep, it's very nice and easy. I realize there's different types of travelers. Like uh, I've been calling the big book, like 
national like everything for the information this one's kind of driving where if you're just going to go in out take a couple days maybe just not not even a, a night but uh just hop in figure out the best places and you can visualize everything that you're going to do with the with the map right there yeah before entering yeah no it, it's a it's a great resource and and i hope it's doing well for you because uh it should be um you can clutter your car up with so many brochures. I was I was going through my car the other day, cleaning it out, and it's amazing how many different brochures I had from this one park or that one park. And it's like, you know, let's put it all together into one collection. One of your most recent books, maybe it is your most recent. I've got two books that you sent me recently. Um, the Day Hiker's Guide to the National Parks. Two national parks. 280 trails. Again, what, what prompted this idea? I mean, there are guidebooks to, to national park hiking trails. Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking to the future with these uh, these new books where they're going to have a little longer shelf life and uh, take less um, less revisions when I when I come back to them. So trails don't change a whole lot. And again, there there while there are individual national park guides, there's nothing comprehensive like this where you're taking all 63 national parks and obviously like the the fly in Alaska ones where there aren't trails. There's just uh, the map and then explaining what's going on there. But uh, for the for the trail heavy ones, the Yellowstones, the Yosemites, the glaciers, the Rocky Mountains, then you've got trail like there's 198 individual trail maps for them, and then it has shaded relief, so you can see what you get into. I, I know when you uh, on the big park maps, you can't really see the the top- topography very well, and even on some of the ones when you're at the actual trail, like they'll give just a flat flat relief rather than the actual relief so you know what you're getting into so you have um, and then there's elevation gain distance and uh, just again more information i always feel the more you know the better you're going to be and that's uh that's going to help you have those those better experiences in the parks too and, and if you do like if you are traveling in summer and crowded trailhead you'll have a plan b a plan c plan d and they'll all be pretty good choices like they're a lot of those parks like you can't go wrong wherever you're hiking but sometimes finding a spot is difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Got to ask you, have you hiked each and every one of these 280? I have not, but almost all of them. And I like, there's a, I was telling somebody about the thumbs up on my first book where some of them were just little notes to myself to hike next time going around. So it's a little, little cue. And uh, I, I like kind of being the only person who knows what's what there aren't too many. And in some of them, I actually mentioned it, that the, this is tops of my list to, to get next, next time out, I'm out there. Have you ever been down to, um, I'm trying to think, um, Waterfall Corner, uh, Cascade Corner of Yellowstone National Park? I have. I know, I know you've got some trails down here, um, um, but you've actually hiked down there? Yeah. Is that a fabulous place or what? <laughs> it, is. it is. It is. Yeah, that's, again, when I was just pouring over the map and I see Cascade Corner, I'm like, that sounds really nice. I'm going to have to get over there. And it takes takes commitment to get to that part of the park. It does. And, uh, but it's, it's nice, easy hiking. And uh, waterfalls galore, yeah. some comparable to like lower falls of the Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I was able to, to hike down there with a, a buddy on a decade or so ago, and, and I'll never forget. You know, we set out from Old Faithful, um, went down past Shoshone Lake, down towards uh, the Beckler River, and we'd been hiking for about four or five hours, and uh, we came across this ranger who had been doing some trail work and whatnot, and we got into a conversation, and we were just shooting a breeze and talking about this and talking about that. And then he goes, oh, by the way, do you have your permit? <laughs> <laughs> Very smooth character. Fortunately, we did have our permit, and um, <laughs> he, he let us pass on our way. But 
you know, I, I'm wondering, and um, I, like I said, it's been a, a decade or so since I've been down there, and that was always the overlooked part of Yellowstone, um, unless you went to the thoroughfare, which is another overlooked area of Yellowstone. But I'm just wondering if, if the, the trail use in, in the Cascade Corner area is, is getting more visitors. I can't compare it to uh, a decade ago, but it's pretty overlooked yet. So Good. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I I think I mean considering the commitment it takes and unpaved road, you're, it's going to be the people that want to backpack, want to spend the night, and and they're coming with permits. So you, you've got the quota system in place that we we're talking about. That is a yeah. is a positive for visitor visitor enjoyment, and um, it's it's regu- regulated. Yeah. So did you go in from Ashton, Idaho? I went in. Yeah, I did. I did go in from Ashton, Idaho. Yeah, yeah. See, so you you, you cut corners there because uh, you know easy access as opposed to hiking down from old faithful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to your travels across the national park system. Um, what are some of the superlatives that, that people should know about? I mean, there, there's so many publications out there that talk about, you got to do this. You got to do that. When you visit national parks, anything comes to mind that you haven't seen beaten to death in the, the mainstream media. That's not beaten to death, man. Like, I would say like Death Valley for sure is one of the ones that is not beaten to death and, and it's filled with superlatives, right? Like the lowest, lowest point in the Americas and then uh, telescope peep gets you a pretty good view of the highest point in the lower 48 and uh, North Cascades is definitely a, one that's filled with superlatives that isn't, isn't beaten to death and yeah. kind of intentionally. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean like they're, they're even like just Mount Rainier, like it isn't, it's visited very heavily, but I wouldn't say it's beaten to death by the media and just like seeing that in the periphery of the Pacific Northwest, wherever you go, it's very, like it is the definition of a superlative that that mountain sticking out in the middle of, uh, between Seattle and, and uh, well, you can see it from all over the place, from Hood and from Mount Hood yeah. and Adams and Mount yeah. St. Helens. Yeah. I was trying to figure out some, some uh, East Coast superlatives would be nice to get into. Acadia is always the park that stands out in my mind, but that's not nothing that's unknown to to, to people. Kind of overrun. Yeah, um, a little bit. You know, it's funny. Shenandoah is well known, and yet I don't see a lot of stories about Shenandoah in the media. Yeah, uh, all of Appalachia isn't quite as uh, dramatic as the Rockies in the West. The West has so much contrast. There, sure. are, I mean, uh, the Appalachian Trail gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of media. Yeah, but but yeah, Shenandoah definitely definitely does not. But again, not not short on tourists for going there to drive Skyline Drive and and old like old rig is a good example of uh, quota systems being required to yeah. hike the the one trail that's overpopulated compared to the rest of them. Something on everybody's bucket list. And yeah, you know, you look around the national park system and um, the Grand Canyon. Most people go to the South Rim and and the over and the North Rim gets overlooked. It's a, a gorgeous part of the park. It's a thousand. I think a thousand feet higher than the South Rim, so it's cooler. It's got those great ponderosa pine forests. Everybody goes to the Yosemite Valley, and yet if you you drive the the Tioga Pass Road and um, park and head off into the backcountry up there, you'll find some phenomenal phenomenal areas. Um, same thing with uh, Mount Rainier. Everybody wants to go to Paradise, and who doesn't want to go to Paradise? But uh, you know, Hanapakash is is fascinating. Um, I think the Sunrise area of Mount Rainier gets a lot of traffic just because the main railroad goes goes through there. But uh, I think if you poke around, um, years ago, 
um, before they closed it, my wife and I were able to, to drive into the, the Carbon River entrance, um, which was certainly less visited than, than the, the Nisqually entrance. And uh, we, we spent some day hikes going up to glaciers there without any crowds around us. So it can be done, and um, we probably shouldn't talk too much about it because it will be done, and um, it'll lose that uh, uniqueness. Yep. There, yeah, there are definitely places. That's why you need a map, and then you can look over that map and be like, well, there's no flags over here, and this is an unpaved road. Maybe this is a place I should check out and, yep. and take, a, take a chance on something. But it just doesn't translate on a, on a phone, you know, an iPhone. I mean, every, everybody everybody's looking at their phones these days. I mean, how many people buy books? I mean, is, is that a... Is that a boomer thing? Um, yeah, I don't. I would be very interested in the demographics of. Uh, it probably is a boomer thing, and and maybe my generation too. Yet I know a lot of people my age that still like travel guidebooks and physical books. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what the the demographics are on, on that. I, I like to think people are still buying books, and it. I've seen some numbers that at least over the pandemic where the book sales were very very good because people uh-huh. were inside and, and reading. But uh, yeah, overall, I don't know how things are shaking out with the future generations. Yeah, well, you know, once upon a time we thought vinyl was dead, and and they they have certainly come back strong. <laughs> yep, cyclical. Yeah, we're talking today with Mike Oswald, a prolific uh, writer of national park guidebooks and um, maps, and we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Listener and reader support make National Parks Traveler possible every day of the year. If you enjoy the Traveler's content, please consider a donation via nationalparkstraveler.org. Do you work or volunteer for the National Park Service? Are you retired from the Department of the Interior? Learn how you could earn $250 by joining Interior Federal Credit Union and opening up a new credit card. Visit their website for membership details and how to join. Federally insured by NCUA. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. You can show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. The Everglades Foundation, the only organization whose sole mission is to restore and protect America's Everglades. Learn more at evergladesfoundation.org. So, Mike, um, you've got your main National Park Guidebook in in three editions now, two of which I have. You have your National Park Atlas, which is phenomenal, and I can't believe that the traveler editor didn't think about that eons ago. Um, Your Day Hiker's Guide to the National Parks. Favorite hike in the National Park System? Do you have one? Oh man, it's probably like parents trying to pick their favorite kids. Yeah, I, I think on, yeah, it changes a lot, but <laughs> I mean, probably for recency bias, just thinking about Mount Rainier is the skyline trail up at Paradise is pretty. A uh, whole lot of smiles happen on that trail. Yeah. Did you um, were you able to get over to Hawaii Volcanoes National Park? Yeah, I, I was there at a really good time too, and there's a lava lake at. Um, Halemaumu, and uh, there was lava flowing into the ocean at the same time. So that was uh, was pretty neat. And did, did you hike the Kilauea Iki Trail? Yep. That, that's a, the bathtub ring. Yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting hike. And 
we we visited in in November of 21 um, with my youngest son and his wife, and um, we we did a dumb thing. We we hiked that trail in the middle of the day. <laughs> Yeah, you're. I mean, uh, it makes you think about blacktop, right? How much, uh, how much that uh, rock can absorb. It's absorb amazing. While you're out there, it's amazing. But it's such a gorgeous hike. I mean, you start out going through the the temperate rainforest, and then you get down onto the the base of the crater, um, and like you said, that blacktop. And you know, you look around, and there's actually quite a lot of life out there, at least vegetation. It's bizarre though, right? Like where you, you, you basically go from jungle, like you're saying, and then it's immediately desert or, or like whatever you want to call that volcanic wasteland or, or something like there's probably a, a different, a different phrase for calling it, but it, it, it does. You go from lush, lush life filled, uh, jungle to just this weird and sulfur smelling volcanic, um, ecosystem. Really brutal, but, um, really fascinating, especially when you start to get into the, the history of how Kilauea Iki um, erupted and um, I forget how high it was throwing um, molten rock into the sky. Um, quite high, quite high. I noticed that it's day hikes and not just the hiker's guide. Is, is that going to be the, the companion coming out down the road for backpackers? Yeah, I, I, actually, I am thinking about doing that. The backpacker's guide to the national parks, the kayaker's guide to the national parks. We'll, we'll see. Maybe maybe AI will put me out of business by then. Yeah. <laughs> Fueled by my information. <laughs> but uh, I, that's that's kind of, that is what I'm thinking. If I if I keep doing national park stuff is have specific things for specific people. And uh, and then that keep that also keeps me more engaged in it to do do different things while I'm out there and I can kind of keep updating the the big book, the comprehensive book along the way. Yeah. I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you find the time. Cause um, I have done guidebooks in my career and they can be extremely tedious and um, time consuming. And, you know, especially when you're, when you're putting lodging facilities and restaurants and you have to check the hours and every year you got to come back and check to make sure they're still in business um, and your eyes start to um, haze over. Yeah, it's dedication, that's for sure. I know the the first edition, when I looked back, I took one day off over the course of almost two years to go to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago with a friend. And then I felt so guilty when I got back home. I'm like, I need to sit down on the computer for a little while. But I was doing like 14 to 16 hour days every single day sitting in the computer, mm-hmm. just uh, trying to try and try and make a good book. And uh, yeah, like you said, it, it is kind of eye opening. Like you mentioned about the outfitters and the hotels and the restaurants and seeing which ones make it make it last and you, you can really pick out who's uh you know the ones that have a good thing going and have good word of mouth yeah because they, they last yeah yeah your other most recent book is is basically um a journal that uh, park visitors can take with them and um you, you do provide a, a a small sampling of what you might want to do um Hot Springs National Park, stroll the Grand Promenade, or go up to Hot Springs Mountain Tower, or you know, toward a Fordyce bathhouse. But um, mainly, it's um, just a, a journal where people can put their own notes in about um, their experience in this park or that park. Yep, this is. Uh, I had the gears turning on how to do things. My, it, my, much to my accountant's dismay, I give away a lot of books, and now, uh, so the, the third edition that came out, that had a 70% price increase on printing. And uh, I'm like, well, I can't really be handing out a whole ton of books for this. This is going to be straight to straight to bankruptcy. But uh, so yeah, something a little less expensive and something that still will be park specific. 
and should make things more fun for people. I know my, my family was all excited about it. And they're a bunch of non-journalers where I've got a couple bookshelves full of journals yeah. and I'm just like lukewarm excited about it. it there are funny, the, the, the illustrations personally that carry that book. Some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are like uh, not the greatest, but. Uh, did, did you do them? No, I didn't. I, I do draw some prairie dogs and I originally had a uh, illustration by me in the intro to it but they were too uneven that I didn't feel like, like some of them were okay and some of them were just straight up bad. And in my general opinion on, on doing things, like I think you either need to be good or bad. And like <laughs> most of them were just in the middle of okay. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we better delete these and just focus on the checklists and yeah. uh, give people room to make it their own. Yeah. Well, here's a good one uh, on Glacier Bay National Park. And it's a little illustration of a uh, uh, a cow and a calf and uh, the cow is saying sorry buster i thought there would be calves for you to play with um, <laughs> yeah. yeah some of them might go less educational and and more more for the humor yeah yeah but there are calves i mean whale <laughs> whale calves yeah they are so uh, <laughs> yeah you fact proof you fact check me <laughs> false there are calves at glacier bay yeah yeah it's part of my uh <laughs> one of the bad things about being a journalist you're always looking for your own mistakes but one thing I like about this, Mike, is uh, in, in the Backpackers, my, my National Parks Journal, is there is plenty of space for notes. I mean, not only do you give ample pages for each park for journals, but in the back, I don't know how many blank pages there are. And again, your, your accountant probably hates that. But, you know, I've seen so many guidebooks to the National Parks over the years. And the one thing I hate, and, and I'm sorry, this applies to your other, your day hiker's guide and to the, your national parks, the big book. I, I like criticism. There's no, there are no blank pages for people to make their own notes about, you know, I want to go back and see this, or I want to go do that. I should show you my, my, like, I just write all over the place. I always, whenever I'm updating and going park to park, I've got, I don't think I have it near me though, but, but there's just red ink, green ink blue ink all over the place but but you are you are right it would be i think people would appreciate it especially for stamps like people like collecting the stamps exactly and doing doing those in there yeah but uh yeah. you should leave space for that the the printer was uh just like you where you're bringing my accountant into they're like why are all these blank pages in here and, <laughs> like you could save a whole uh signature out of this thing but i'm like well they're gonna add new parks eventually and people like writing john stuff down so you gotta gotta have a little extra space so there's space for four future parks or yeah. am, ample notes there you go there you go well mike it's been great catching up and, and talking about your your project so far um you, you're taking a break right now um how long is the break and then where are you going to afterwards so i've got uh i'm finishing up the ebook for the day hikers guide that thing releases in October, and then it's going to be a East Coast book sales tour. So I'm going to be reaching out to, I'm going to go to like small town America, the sort of unserviced part of the country and do libraries and little mom and pop bookshops, talk nice. parks, sell some books, nice. and uh, make make them more crowded, I guess, Kurt. <laughs> crowded. Well, <laughs> you don't have to do that. You just have to talk about the places that are uncrowded and, and funnel some of the people off to there. I went to um, Fort Larned National Historic Site in, in far west Kansas last year, and I had it to myself. <laughs> it was really um, kind of interesting and, and disappointing a little bit, although as I was getting ready to leave, a, a father and his son came came and decided to check it out. But uh, there are an incredible number of, of overlooked gems out there that uh, – people need to turn their eyes to in addition to the uh, Yellowstone's and Yosemite's of the world as 
as the Scotts Bluffs um, National Monument superintendent told me, we're not a final destination, but we are a destination along the way. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> I went up to Scotts Bluff and and I was, it was a situation like you had where a, a, a older couple showed up at the viewpoint while I was there. I'm like, oh man, that's a cool place. It's yeah. in interesting history. But uh, hey, back to mentoring the, the National Parks Traveler discount code. 25% right. off with NPT25 at stoneroadpress.com. Go to the shop and uh, we'll, we'll do some donating. 100% 100, 100 of the profit will go to the traveler. And uh, you can buy the Day Hiker's Guide and um, the journal, my, my National Parks Journal now, and I'll get them out to you. It doesn't have to wait till October 3rd. And What about, uh, what about the National yeah. Park Map Atlas? They're all in there. Yep, all, all of them. Right. And, and there's a there's a National Parks Enthusiast package. If you want to get all of them for a, a discount, so then add the 25% off of there and you get a pretty decent deal. Do, do better than Amazon. Well, as I, as I like to say, buy it and buy it often. or donate and donate often there you go there you go we are a nonprofit. well mike thanks so much Um, let's catch up down the road once you start um, diving into some of your other projects and uh, see what else we can learn about the national parks sounds good kurt thanks a lot for having me on that's our show for this week we hope you enjoyed it if you're looking for park guides check out mike's books at stoneroadpress.com If they sound appealing, be sure to add the discount code NPT25 for a 25% discount on your purchase and to help build a donation Mike will send to the traveler. For the traveler, this is Kurt Repencheck. See you in the parks. The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcasts. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.